Celebrating 30 years of phenomenal trend forecasting, five times a week, Monday through Friday. Here's Gerald Salenti with today's trends in the news. Welcome to Trend Vision 2020. I'm Doug Grunther with the publisher of the Trends Journal and the world's leading trends forecaster, Gerald Salenti. Now, you may have noticed that we don't have our usual pile of news articles from around the world, and that's because this is a special feature we're doing where I'm just going to ask Gerald some questions about how he got into this business. So, Gerald, how did you get into becoming a trends expert? Well, I guess it began when I was a little boy, and I'd be driving with my father, may his soul rest in peace, and I'd be shooting my mouth off. <laughs> <clears throat> and he'd look over at me, and in Italian, he'd say to me, Papagallo, stop repeating what everybody else is saying mm -hmm. and think for yourself. And I heard that enough times where it hit me that if I was going to say something, I better have the facts. So as a young guy, and I started reading, you know, my father, when he used to come home from church on, on Sunday and buy the New York Times, the Journal American, and the papers were big, thick papers. And you couldn't bother my father from after church to when we used to have dinner at one o'clock in the afternoon, you know, big Italian Sunday feasts. And he'd read, he'd read. And I picked that habit up and I started reading newspapers at a very young age. And then what happened is out of graduate school, I, um, I worked as the number two guy running the mayoral campaign in Yonkers, New York. I'm just curious, what was your graduate degree in? Public administration. Mm -hmm. it, my real graduate degree was trying to stay out of the Vietnam War. Yeah, <laughs> good. And just good to idea. make it clear. And the only reason I took public administration was the first year they were teaching it. So I figured they didn't have a pass-fail level on it, because so I, <laughs> I wasn't great in school. I got left back in the fifth grade. Really? Yeah, I barely got out of high school. The only reason they got me out was to get me out. And I ended up going to school in West Virginia, you know, a greaser from the Bronx and Yonkers in West Virginia, 1965. It wasn't home, to, but the people were great down there. Anyway, the, um, so from there, I was the assistant to the secretary of the New York State Senate mm -hmm. at 24 years old. And then from there, I taught American politics and campaign technology at St. John's University. And then from there, I became the chief government affairs specialist for the chemical industry, a big mm. section of it. We used to antimicrobials, industrial cleaning maintenance supplies, and the, 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 the uh, chemicals in that, that whole business. So I was spending time between Washington and I living in Chicago at the time, DC and Chicago. And I got, you know, I, I, at 28 years old, I was putting my meetings on at the Hay Adams Hotel. Uh, the Hay Adams, which is the top place, and staying at the Willard Hotel. So I hit the top really big. And I was with the top people from, you know, Roman Haas, Lanza, DuPont, Union Carbide. And I'm the guy setting these whole things up, hired the, the attorneys, try to kill the legislation. So I got there really quickly. A matter of fact, there's a photo of me with Ronald Reagan. Hmm. I hired him to speak to our group two days before he announced he was running against Jerry Ford. I was with him for an hour and a half. So I got into the political system pretty quick. And what happened was, it was the late 1970s, either 78 or 79, I forget. 
It was one day difference because Jimmy Carter came back from spending New Year's Eve with the Shah. Mm. He and Rosalind went to visit the, the Shah. And this is when the Iranian revolution started to take hold. And I knew this thing was real. Millions of people were taking to the streets. And I had read about how, again, I began to read this kind of information as a young man, a young boy, how the United States and the, the UK overthrew the democratically elected government of Mossadegh in 1953. And when the demonstration started and millions of people took to the streets, I said, this thing is real, this thing's coming down. And this is how I became a trend forecaster. Jimmy Carter came back, and in those days it was a big deal. They had the helicopter, they salute, they got to the microphones. And Jimmy Carter announces to the American people that the Shah is the island of stability in the Middle East. In the Bronx, we used to have a saying, bullshit has its own sound. And I knew it was total bullshit. And everybody was buying it in this country. So I said to myself, what will be the implications of the fall of the Shah and the destabilization of Iran? And I bet that golden oil prices would go up. I started playing gold futures and oil futures. I had no idea what I was doing. None. I parlayed a $5,000 bet into almost three quarters of a million dollars. <laughs> and to make that story, I lost just about all of it. I ended up with about 100000 because I didn't know what I was doing. I just kept playing this thing. Yeah, I just think the prices were going to keep going up. They eventually went down in the 80s. But anyway... At that point, I became a political atheist when Jimmy Carter spoke those words. I'd been around long enough. I knew what it looked like. You mentioned that you, were, uh, you worked you know, in the New York State Senate, right? So you got to see politics from the inside. Yeah, I'm, I'm, with, I'm, with, I'm 24 years old. I'm with Malcolm Wilson, the governor, or Warren Anderson, the majority leader, my boss, Al Abrams, wonderful man, sitting in the chambers, you know, behind the big chamber of the Senate, there's a mirror chamber of it. You know, I'm eating shrimp cocktail in my Robert Hall suit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Say, boy, my friends should see this, you know? And I'm out of my mind. I mean, you know, people ask, it was, there were Republicans. I didn't care Republican, Democrat. I was just working my way up to the top. I could care less. And what used to happen, we'd be sitting around, we'd be BSing in the back of the chamber. My friend Brian Donahue, may he rest in peace. His wife, and Mary Donahue became the lieutenant governor under Pataki. Mm -hmm. So he was a little younger than me. We're talking in the back. We used to play cards. We're, we're, we're talking in the back of the chambers. ready to, And they have a flunky, this slob, opening up the door. Senator so-and-so. <laughs> we're paying for this guy, sergeant-at-arms. A flunky, a bureau, you know, sergeant-at-arms. Anyway, my friends would leave me, follow the senator to his chair, and pull out the chair and help him sit down. And then they come back. I'd say, hey, man, what's the matter? Cat can't sit down by himself. <laughs> Needs some help. You know, Gerald, if you have that kind of an attitude, you're not going to make it here. It was the worst job I ever had. I hated that job. I left after one session. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started teaching at St. John's, and that's when I got into the chemical industry. So your friends were helping the senator sit down, and you couldn't stand for it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was, now, what happened with Carter and learning about Again, becoming a political atheist, having been on both sides and being deep into it. Again, you know, I'm like 30 years old, and I'm with I'm with Ronald Reagan. You know, for an, I pick him up at this. I, 
In those days, by the way, you didn't have the cars and all this stuff. You know, he wasn't, he, he wasn't governor. But you got a taxi. This is the Chicago Hilton. Mike Diva is top guy, me, him, and Mike Diva piling a taxi. And I put up a, uh, I had a brunch for him and our board of directors on top of McCormick Place. That's a whole other story I'll tell you sometime, how I broke my, my habit of uh, f stage fright. And it was that day, which is a whole other story. But anyway, going back to how I started. So I realized current events form future trends. But people get blinded by... That was bullshit. You got it. They got blinded by Washington bullshit. I'm watching the Iranian thing unfold. I knew it was going to happen. And I realized current events form future trends. But you have to go back to my father. Think for yourself. But everybody bought the lines. So I realized that if I watch the current events unfold and see how they interconnect. So what did Jimmy Carter have to do with rising oil prices and gold prices. People weren't think, doing this stuff back then. Mm -hmm. This is new futures trading back then. It wasn't big, big like this. So that's how I designed the global nomic methodology. All things are connected. Or as Chief Seattle is allegedly contributed or attributed to saying, all things are connected like the blood which unites us all. So I meant, I. I made a global nomic design, making connections between different fields. So what happens socially, economically, family, environment, food, chemicals, on and on and on, and looking for the interconnections. For the first three years, I became a recluse. Mm -hmm. I moved from Chicago to Rhinebeck, New York, which back in 1979, nobody ever heard of the place. Right across the river from where we are right now. That's right. And the reason I moved across the river, because when I moved there, it was a real cool place, but then it got too white for me. <laughs> Matter of fact, Chelsea Clinton got married over That's there. That's right. So when I wore it, You was weren't there, invited to the wedding? Nah, son of a bitch. <laughs> I you, you could have held the seat for Hillary. Uh, that's right. Well, yeah, I think you need two people to push that seat <laughs> in there. <laughs> but anyway, the... Uh, Rhinebeck was a very cool place. I used to raise my own chickens, make prosciutto. Mm. I became a recluse because I was freaking out seeing where the future was le leading us. I was a young guy and seeing the horrors that were being created and where it was leading us for two, for two, uh, two three years. I, I didn't want to, I, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go to anywhere if I didn't know the people. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go to a family function if strangers were going to be there. That's how much I, I pulled back. And I'm learning now, I'm learning, trying to put this all together, trying to figure it out. And that's how I began it. And then what happened was the big breakthrough happened. I was doing a little corporate work. This is actually something for Pepsi-Cola. Uh, and I, the name of the firm was the Socioeconomic Research Institute of America. I didn't call it the Trends Research Institute as it is today. That's now it's a, doing business as a DBA. Because back then, when I told people I forecast trends, the reaction would be, oh, what do you do, music trends? Oh, what do you do, fashion trends? <laughs> That's as far as it went. Yeah. There was no geopolitical trend no. going on. And so then what happened was in um, 1987, in those days, long before the internet, you sent out press releases. And we sent out a press release 
that the markets were going to, it was going to be the market crash of 1987. Now, give me the year again. 1987. You, I did it in January. The markets crashed in October. So you were ahead of the curve there. Okay. I saw it coming. And Wall Street Journal did a story on it. Can and I ask you, what, do you remember specifically, what did you see that other people didn't? What I saw was a very different thing. I knew the markets were overvalued and overleveraged. I didn't have the experience I have now. But what happened was it was being propped up in large part because of very, the popularity of Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. And Reagan started losing his popularity because the whole Iran-Contra scandal started happening. Right. And I saw that popularity really, really declining. So he was, he was kind of propping up the economy because he, 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 he was a beloved American it, yeah. figure. And by the way, at the same time, my wife, may her soul rest in peace, we sold a book to, she sold a book to Warner Books, which is a big book company at that time, called Natural Healing. Mm. And so I started getting into the whole natural healing aspect as well. And didn't you come up with the phrase clean food? Clean food. I, well, that came in 1993. Mm. So those are the two things that were going on. I was getting into the whole natural healing area, alternative uh, medicine and uh, complementary medicine at the same time, really concentrating a lot on geopolitics and economics. Now, you, you, you talk about the fact that part of the global economic uh, strategy is to see the interconnection among other things. So you, you can't know politics if you don't know what's going on in the environment and technology and science and all these fields. Now with the internet, which is, which is virtually connecting all information together, does this make your job easier or in some senses more challenging? Now, it, it, the one point I want to make before I say that, it, the, the other most, two of the most important things are, if you belong, again, I'm a political atheist, I don't belong to a party. Mm -hmm. If you belong to a party, if you belong to a belief system, your mind is locked into that. So it doesn't matter how much information you have access to over the internet, if You're your mind is already system. stuck and partitioned. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of the big, that was the big breakthrough. So your answer to, the answer to your question, yes and no. The, the, in the beginning and, and before it degraded to what we have now, I would rely very heavily on the, on the media, the news papers particularly, because they were so thick they were so filled with information, and they had so many reporters bringing in so many different stories. Now the media is dead. There are no feet on the beat anymore. You look at the New York Times. I tell you, when my father, when we come we, after church, we buy the newspapers. The New York Times is this big, fat thing. Now it's a tiny little thing. The business section isn't worth anything. No, and a lot, and as you pointed it up out to pictures. me, a lot of more pictures. Yeah. Daily News used to be the picture newspaper, now the New York Times, because yeah. they don't want to pay for journalism. Exactly. So it's harder to get information. It balances out somewhat with the World Wide Web, because I'll go to Fars News Agency, I'll go to J Japanese Times, I'll go to, to Haaretz, the Israeli papers. I'll get everybody, but I'm still getting less information on the data end. Mm -hmm. And that makes it harder in some aspects. I'm getting less data information. The New York Times, uh, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal, just in the last you know, year and a half, two years, it shrunk by over 50% mm -hmm. because they laid off so much staff. Right. So it's a, it's a challenge, but you continue to keep us ahead of the curve. And, um, you know, it's interesting to find out, it's always so interesting to find out how we arrive where we 
where we get, you know, you can't, if a Hollywood scriptwriter wrote it, we'd say, yeah, we wouldn't believe that, but it's true. And there's another aspect too. One of my lines is that if you miss three consecutive days of studying, like I do, it's like working, walking in on the second act of a play. Mm. For example, we just went through the whole Mueller investigation. Right. So now people are taught, but how about how it began? What happened? What were the background of it? So rather than knowing the, the results of it, how about the beginning of it? How about knowing we're looking at the economy, what's going to happen next? What got it to this point? How, what rose brought the markets up? If you don't know what brought the markets up, you're not going to know what brought them down, what's going to bring them down. So in other words, with Venezuela, what's going on in the crisis, or Iraq, the wars, people don't know what led up to it. They only, most people only get there when it happens. So you, can, you have to stay on top of the news continually. Again, I, I, I read constantly. If I, and listening doesn't count as much as reading because the words that you listen to are very few compared to the how many you could read. So if you're watching the news, you're watching, you're reading you know, about a, a quarter of a page of one page of a newspaper right. for a whole half hour. And also the people who are doing journalism on TV are primarily there because of the way they look, not because of how good a journalist they are in many cases. And because of their belief systems, right. depending on what you're listening to. Right. So anyway, this was very educational and enlightening. Um, have a great trip, by the way. Gerald will be Thank out of you. the country for a few weeks. Back on May 6th, and we have programs like this set up for you. So continue watching for more Trend Vision 2020.